Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We are glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally together. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. Please take your copy of God's Word, the Bible. Find the passage of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. This will serve as our text this morning. Happy Mother's Day to everyone in the room today. What a special day that it is. It's a day of honor. It's a day of love. It's a day of remembrance, a day of reflection. It's a day that can bring sadness. It can be a reminder of pain. For not all women in the room today are mothers. Many are, but many are not. And as I look around the worship center on the bottom floor, all throughout the balcony, not everyone today are females. We have mothers, we have men in the room, we have fathers, we have children, and that's important. Why? Because the family matters. Each and every member of it. I want to start our time together this morning by sharing with you a few words penned by some of our grade school students in Sunday school. I worked with some of our third, fourth, and fifth grade teachers in asking students to answer a few prompts and here were the prompts that I gave them. My mom is special to me because dot, 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 dot. I love it when my grandmother dot, 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 dot. And then I asked them to write down some of their special names that they have for their grandmothers. Bennett Skaggs starts us off by saying, I love it when my grandmother lets me spend the night with her. Isabella says, my mother is special to me because, one, she takes care of the house, she feeds us, and she knows how to make you laugh. Frankie Pittman says, I love it when my grandmother gives me treats when she is with me. Caitlin Bird says, my mom is special to me because she is always cheering me on, no matter how bad things get. Caleb Summers says, my mom is special to me because she is loving and caring. She is the best, is what he says. Gia Ristelli says, my mom is special to me because she's kind, practical, hardworking, and so much more. Lydia Manuel says, my mom is special to me because she calms me when I'm sad. And she loves me. And she teaches me more about God. She goes on to say, I love it when my grandmother... I love my grandmother because she does lots of fun things with me. Finally, Kinsley Wolf says this, My mom is special to me because she cooks, she cleans, she's supportive, and she's great at doing girls' hair. <laughs> and then she finishes it with, I love it when my grandmother takes me to the Dollar Tree and she lets me pick out anything I want. <laughs> my grandma always gets me my favorite Candy. You know, I was only able to share just a few of these this morning. If you'd like to hear some additional submissions, I invite you. This is a shameless plug. I invite you to visit our social media pages this afternoon. We are going to upload a video that has additional submissions on Mother's Day this afternoon. The Family Matters. We started this series last week. It's going to go all the way through Father's Day. And we introduced last week our theme verse for the series. We read it out loud together. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. So, have you started? Have you started? Maybe you have it memorized already. 
I have a big note card, a big fat note card on my mirror in my bathroom. I have that same size note card on top of my computer screen in my office. I'm doing my best to learn it. I hope that you'll do the same. If you have special memory techniques, methods that you use, I would love to know, I would love to know what those are. If you could share those with me offline, I'm always looking for ways to help me with my memory. I love this NIV translation that we're using. Last week we read it out loud together. Today we're going to read it out loud again together. But know that the goal, the objective, the hope is that this verse becomes meaningful to you in your home over this, this next month or so. And by Father's Day Sunday, the goal that day will be as an entire church family in unison together, we will recite that verse out loud without it being on the screen. I think that's a worthy goal. I think it's a goal that we can accomplish as a church. If we could put that on the screen, Proverbs 24, 3 and 4, let's read it out loud together. By wisdom, a house is built and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. For now, we turn our attention to our text this morning, 2 Timothy 1, where Paul is writing a letter to Timothy while he's in jail in Rome. I mean, he's in jail. He's in jail and he's writing a letter to Timothy. Amidst his own time of conflict, he's reaching out to someone else. And he's trying to encourage, to uplift. He is reminding Timothy of his rich Christian heritage stemming from his mom and his grandmother. Our text today. Because the Bible is different than any other book you will ever read. It is alive. It is truth from beginning to end. I ask that you stand in reverence and honor of reading of God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Please hear the word of God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, for the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly loved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my forefathers did, when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy, clearly recalling your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois, then in your mother Eunice, and that I am convinced is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to keep ablaze the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we bow before you in prayer today, acknowledging that you are holy and divine. God, you are sacred. Thank you for bringing each one of us here today, God, to make up your church family. God, I pray that you would use these words from your scripture, its truth, and that it would pierce and penetrate our hearts today. And that when we leave this room today, God, that each one of us, whether we're mothers or fathers or children, God, that we would seek to apply what we have heard from you today. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I want us to look at a few of the Bible's timeless principles 
that can help create an atmosphere within the home that is honoring and pleasing to God. And I want us to focus on how the roles of the mother and the grandmother, how they are important. Principle number one, mothers share the promise of life. This first verse teaches us that Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. For Paul, this title of apostle simply meant that he was under the orders of Jesus himself. His whole purpose in life centered in obedience to Jesus. His tent making, right? His job, his tent making work was only a way of providing the means for his true vocation. Paul as an apostle was never, never off duty. So in one simple way, Paul was exactly like the moms we celebrate today, right? There's never a day off as a parent. Never a day off as a parent. We know moms go a thousand miles an hour all the time. Paul is doing this according to the will of God the Father in connection to the promise of life. Referring to the spiritual life of those who accept Christ as their Savior. Timothy has this life because of his heritage in Jesus, not because his mother or grandmother accepted Christ for him, but because of their faith, they taught him, they taught him what it means to believe. You know, moms who have Christ as their Savior, they cannot help but share who Jesus is. They cannot help but share with their family what Jesus has saved them from. You know, it's different. It is different than brown eyes versus blue eyes. It's different than being tall or short. It's different than being fast or slow, musically inclined or musically challenged. Our Christian faith, let me remind you, it's not genetic. In in that it cannot simply be passed down from generation to generation. In the sense of it being automatic for birth, it must be shared It must be shown. It must be talked about. It must be a part of the everyday rhythm of your life. Moms, not just Sunday morning. An occasional Sunday night. Throw in a Wednesday. It has to be a part of the everyday rhythm of your household. For the life, for the child to see that that life, the Christian faith walk with Jesus is important, that it's special, that it's imperative, that it is a must. Timothy was a blessed man. He was a blessed man to have at least two strong, bold, loving, faith-filled women in his life. Timothy was blessed. A second principle that can assist a Household and becoming the family unit that God wants it to be is that mothers have beloved children. Read about that in verse number two. Paul considered Timothy as his dearly beloved son. He was his spiritual mentor. He was his teacher. You know, leading people to Christ, spiritually mentoring others makes them, it makes them our children in the Lord. A few of our grade school, Sunday school teachers, every Sunday here at this church, they lovingly refer to their students in their room as their disciples. That's what they lovingly call them, their disciples. Here, in no way 
In no shape or form are these teachers insinuating that these kids need to follow them. That they certainly should certainly not worship them. No, they are stating that their spiritual role as a Bible teacher every Sunday morning is important and that it is critical and that it's crucial. They call the learners their disciples. You know, the responsibility, it's awesome. Paul is desiring, Paul is praying grace on Timothy, getting what we do not deserve. He's praying mercy, not getting what we do deserve. He's praying peace on Timothy. Contentment in the chaos when you're right smack dab in the middle of a storm in life. That's what Paul is praying for Timothy. You know, we should desire that. We should desire that. We should pray this on our physical children, our spiritual children as well. Moms, notice that this principle does not state perfect children. It says beloved children. Moms in the room today, please don't try and bear a burden you are never expected to carry. Our third principle that can assist a household in becoming the family unit that God intends for it to be, one that is pleasing and honoring to Him, is that mothers help foster a clear conscience. A clear conscience. Paul continues this introduction into this letter saying that he serves with a clear conscience like his forefathers did. As a Jew, he was taught the word of God. For he met, he met Jesus, what, on that Damascus road. And he learned how to better serve the Lord. Part of his pure conscience is from his life of prayer as he mentions in regard to Timothy here. What does the word say? It says, Paul prayed for Timothy day and night. Day and night. What a great example to me as a father. What a great example for you as a mother, as a grandmother, to pray for our children, to pray for your grandchildren continually. The Bible indeed is an honest book. It portrays its heroes, its men and women, right, as people that have strengths and weaknesses. Right? These heroes had good days and they had bad days. So in what sense then did they serve God with a clear conscience? Certainly it's not in the sense of performance alone. It can't just be based on performance the one thing they all had in common was the intention to love and serve God. One commentator that I read and studied says this, I am convinced that we need to focus more upon our intentions than our performance. When we are possessed with a strong desire to love and serve Christ, our performance will be profoundly influenced. And when our performance falls short of our intentions, when we miss the mark or when, when we miss the target, we experience anew the mercy of God. Amen? You know, I thought long and hard. I really did. I thought long and hard about a potential, a possible quality illustration for this point. 
how do I share about a clear conscience? You know what I decided? The little light bulb went off, think, in my head. And I decided, let the listener, that's you guys, let the listener carry this task this morning. Let me get you started. If we're being honest, we all know what it means to miss the mark, right? We know what it means to not hit the mark. We know what it means to sin. We know what it means. We know how it feels, the weight of it all. You know, those moments, those hours, those days before confession and repentance take place. When that barrier that's in between us and God gets in the way, we know what that feels like. When you're wading through the consequences of your action. I mean, it can be lonely. It can be flat out dark. It can seem never ending. Now juxtapose that. Compare that with the moment in your week. That moment in your week when you choose the wrong path, right? Matthew 7 says, take the narrow gate that leads to life, right? For the broad way leads to all kinds of destructions. So think about your week when you do take that wrong turn and you go down the wrong path. You go against what God would want for you. You sin. But you are quick to confess. You are quick to seek accountability from your spouse. From your friend. You allow God's forgiveness to wash over you. Now, how do you feel? It's different. You feel free. You feel unencumbered. You feel hopeful. How freeing it is to have a clear conscience. To be all confessed up. To be in right relationship with God. To be in right relationship with those in your community in as much as you have control. To have your mind set on things above. What does that wonderful verse in Philippians say? One of my favorites. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It tells me what to think about. It says whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. What does the Bible say? Dwell on these things. The Bible says, think about this stuff. Is what the Bible says. So if you want to know Jesus intimately. If you want to serve Jesus passionately. If you want to share Jesus. If you want to be a part of sharing Jesus. Around the globe like Paul did. Flee from sinful things. Rid your life. Rid your calendar of extraneous activities and events. And follow the narrow path that leads to life. A pure conscience is a beautiful thing. And Christian moms and grandmas in the room, this should be your desire. And it should be your desire that your entire family experience the same. The next principle we will look at this morning is number four of seven. Mothers need to be filled with joy. 
can find that in verse number four. Timothy's mother, grandmother, his father in the Lord, Paul, went to see how he was doing. They would be filled with joy to hear that Timothy was continuing to mature in the Christian faith. You see, Paul, he greatly desired to see Timothy, his spiritual son. He had affection for him. He wanted to have conversation. What's the phrase we throw around sometimes? He wanted to do life with Timothy. For he remembered Timothy's tears at their last parting when they had to get on the boat to go to Jerusalem. When Paul had to go. You can read that in Acts 20 this afternoon. Paul remembered that. He wanted to get back in touch with Timothy as soon as possible. When was the last time you longed to see someone? When was the last time you longed to see someone when it hurt really down deep right in here? You wanted to be with them because you care for them so much. When did you last long to see someone? Right? We love hellos. Hellos are great. Those are easy most of the time. We despise goodbyes, don't we? Most of the time we despise saying goodbye. Usually when we say goodbye, we're saying, I can't wait to see you again. I can't wait to hear what you're going to tell me. I can't wait to hear how you're going to tell me. I can't wait to see how you're going to look when you tell me. I just can't wait to be with you again. Think with me, family. You go out of town. Let's say to visit grandparents. And you're going to be at their house for a day or two. Or maybe a week or more. You have a sweet visit. Finally, that excursion comes to an end. And everybody gets up in the car, right? Your family loads up in the car. And what do grandma and grandpa typically do? They step out on the patio. They might walk to the curb, stand in the driveway. They might hang out in the garage, but they're waving, right? They're, they're blowing kisses. They're waving. And you're in the car, right, as the parent. And you're like, roll your window down and wave at them. I said, tell your grandpa you love him. I don't do it, right? That, hey, that's how it happens in the Humphrey family. All the while, the grandparents, they simply cannot wait until you return. And when you do, they're going to be filled with joy. Paul could not wait. He couldn't wait to see Timothy. Oh, how Christian parents long to hear stories of faith. How God is at work in the lives of their kids. It fills them with joy. Mothers and grandmothers, keep up the good work. And continue to be that holy and godly example to your children. Moms and grandmas, keep on keeping on. Our next principle is how mothers need to demonstrate sincere faith. Sincere faith. Here in verse 5, Paul calls to remembrance Timothy's background in the faith. He points out to Timothy's mother and grandmother as genuine, faithful believers. They trusted Christ fully. Timothy was a third generation Christian due in some part to the heritage that these two fine women provided for him. You know, it is a source of joy to read about this fine family of faith. However, let us not forget the other side of the coin. 
sometimes the story does go the other direction, right? If that's the narrow path that leads to life, this is the broad way that leads to destruction, sometimes the story goes this way. Children are reared in marvelous Christian families, and then they reject their parents' faith and values. Or you find a deeply committed Christian who was reared in an incredibly bad environment. Yes, let us exalt the functioning Christian family where children are growing in discipleship, trusting that one day they too will lead their family in the ways of Christ. But, but, let us also affirm our brothers and sisters, our friends, maybe someone in the room today, maybe yourself, a single Christian parent, a Christian couple who loves Jesus with their whole heart, but their kids are in rebellion. They've gone that direction. And they've gone so far that you can, wait, yep, yep, I can see them. They've gone so far you can barely see them. Christian family, continue to love that individual Continue to pray for that individual. Continue to serve that individual. No matter their age, do not forget about them. That one day, you can barely see them that way, but one day that they'll allow God to get a hold of their heart and they will turn back to Him and go this direction. You see, Lois and Eunice, a mom a grandma that take their needs to the Lord in prayer. We need to reflect this lifestyle to our physical and spiritual children and grandchildren. An unfeigned, a sincere, a genuine, real faith. One that does not take credit. Listen, one that does not take credit nor the blame for their children's faith or rebellion, but gives thanks to God. Amen? You see, Lois nor Eunice, nor any mom or grandmother in the room today, you are not the superstars of the day today. Let's just get that out of the way right now at 914. You are not the superstars of the day today. This building at 506 North Main, this is not an airport. There are no planes that are going to take off or land from here today. We are not a restaurant. We do not serve appetizers or entrees or desserts. We are not a parks and rec department. There are no swimming lessons being offered here this summer. We are a church and we deal with the divine. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 12 months out of the year, we deal in the holy and the sacred. I mean, what did you expect to hear today? Moms, you are not the superstars of the day today. No, it is God's Holy Spirit working in and through moms and grandmoms. For those like me who were fortunate enough to have parents and grandparents who walked and talked with God as Christian believers, maybe a portion of your story is similar to mine. I recall as a child and as a teen the Christian model that my grandparents portrayed in front of me. 
the great example that they were. I recall the example of my parent, my father's parents, and the godly example that they left for me. My grandpa we called Poppy, and my grandma we called Gene. I'm the oldest grandkid on that side of the family, and the story goes that when I started talking, I couldn't pronounce the gr, the gr, and grandma. So it came out, g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-g-
to talk to her, to encourage her, to uplift her. When Vacation Bible School takes place here at First Baptist Belton, this year it's June 14th through the 18th. When it takes place here in First Baptist Belton over the past decade, it's the back row right back there where Mimi sits. She's been a person of support and encouragement, helping take care of the logistics, right? The pragmatic stuff when our kids were younger. When my brother-in-law, who sings in his church's praise team in Houston, when they offer their annual Christmas spectacular, the presentation that brings hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to faith each and every Christmas season, Mimi is there showing her support and her care. She reminds us by her presence, by her ever-listening ear, to keep on, to keep on, and to not lose heart in doing good. Am I right, parents, when I say that you and I can go to great lengths? Sometimes we go to great lengths to provide opportunities for our children, especially in areas in which they excel and which they love and adore. I have encouraged, I've stretched my wallet, I've persuaded my kids to participate in spelling bees, to join a club, to lead a team or committee in college. I've shot hundreds and hundreds of free throws and jump shots to help my son in his basketball skills. I've encouraged my daughter to find a job. I have had discussions with my wife about the summer as early as December or January about summer plans. That's what families these days have to do sometimes to stay ahead of it all. They would include church activities, sports camps, family vacations, and maybe not even in that order. How often do we parents routinely and passionately exhaust our efforts towards enhancing opportunities for our children to use their personality, their character traits, and building up their spiritual gifts for God's church? May it be so! May it be so. May it be a part of your everyday Christian lifestyle. May it be so. And may moms lead the way. Moms lead the way in championing this effort. Our final principle of the day that can create an atmosphere that is pleasing and honoring to God, a family unit after God's own heart, is this one. Mothers should banish the spirit of fear. Verse number seven is a familiar and popular verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. If you look at scripture found in 1 Corinthians 16, if you look at 1 Timothy 4, we, can, we find, we can read, we can deduce that Timothy, young Timothy, has an issue with a lack of confidence. Paul is trying to encourage his dear son. The word for power in this verse, in the original language, gives us our word for dynamite. The word used for love here is agape. We're familiar with that. This is God's love to us when he gave us his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And the third word here is translated sound mind, which speaks of a disciplined life. God wants us to have our thinking guided by His Word, the Bible. Timothy was taught the Word of God by his mother and his grandmother. We need to continue to teach our children, our physical and our spiritual children, 
and grandchildren the word of God. This next and final story I'll tell you has had zero value. Zero value in my life since it took place in the late 1980s. Over 33 years ago, this story took place. And until the last couple of months, as I've prayed and planned over this sermon, has value come to this story. In my latter years of high school in Pflugerville, Texas, back when it was a farming community, a simple farming town with one 3A high school, it was lunchtime and you had some options at lunch. This is how they went. You could eat in the cafeteria, you could walk a couple of blocks down the street to a restaurant or two, or you could take life into your own hands, get in your car, and get on what amounted to a racetrack and drive all the way to Mopac. Some of you have that visual in your head. And when you got to Mopac, your only options were McDonald's or Taco Bell. Those were the choices that you had back in the late 1980s near Pflugerville High School. Well, one day, me and my best buddy, we had 45 minutes for lunch. We decided we were going to get on that racetrack. We wanted to get a quarter pounder with cheese. So we got into my family car that I drove that day, a brown station wagon. I guess I was so excited. I was careless. And I backed my car into the parked car behind me in the parking lot. I backed straight into a parked car. Well, this car that I backed into was a Camaro. And it was so jacked up. It was so high that the bumper of my car got underneath the car and lifted it off the ground. The back two wheels came off of the ground. It gets better. There were people inside of the Camaro. Well, I pulled back into my original space. And before I could put the family truckster back into park, there was somebody banging on my window. Banging on my window. It was a male student. His hair was all slicked back. He had a, was wearing a gray and black sweater. We did not run in the same crowd. I had never met him before. So how is he supposed to know what a lovely person I am, right? As he was raining down verbal threats and words that were off limits to me and my brother, I thought, man, I'm going to heaven today. And he said something to me. This is verbatim. This is verbatim. And this is just goes to show you that it really happens in real life. It's not just in the movies and on TV. But he said this. He says, today after school, I'm going to find you. And dot, 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 dot. Well, with my heart beating a million beats per minute, and trust me, breathing was very difficult at this point. I was in no shape to drive my car on the racetrack. So my buddy and I, we walked a couple blocks down to Golden Fried Chicken. It's now called Golden Chick. Well, guess who else decided to eat chicken tenders that day? The entire Camaro crew. I thought, man, this is going to go down right now at lunch. 
in front of all of these people. I'm not a fighter now. I wasn't a fighter then. The only fights I'd ever won in my life was when I was nine and my brother was four. I mean, good grief. This is not going to end well for me at all. Well, the black and gray sweater guy, the owner of the sports car, approached our table. He walked up to us. And you know what he said? He said, my car is going to be fine. He had a change of heart. He said, I'm I'm not going to destroy you this afternoon. He said, hey, it's all good. But you see, it wasn't. At least not with me. You see, I was so traumatized by this brand new to me verbal abuse and threat of harm. I found myself right smack dab in the middle of straight and utter fear. I simply could not shake the fact that at one point in time, someone wanted to do physical harm to me. Now, I was guilty of hitting his car, right? I disturbed his lunch. My innocent ears, though, had never endured a physical threat like that before, ever. And I realize that this might sound silly to you, but it sure was not for me. For months, I would look down the hallway at school before I would walk down it. It was months before I got back in my car at lunchtime to go anywhere. I lost sleep. I became obsessed with this negative interaction with another human being, even though the threat maker tried to make amends shortly thereafter. My parents arranged for me to meet with a counselor, and that was very, very helpful. But I found myself still stuck, stuck in anxiety and fear. Eventually, I found the help I needed. And this right here was part of my healing right here. This is a replica of something that my mother gave to me. I call it a Bible memory wheel or a Bible memory dial is what I call it. And so what I would do on this dial, and I talked to my mom a couple weeks ago about this. She and I both remember. We both remember what it looked like. It was a rectangle. It was cream colored. It had a purple dial on it. A lot of the words were written in green. And I simply couldn't find it. So I made this replica. And this is how it would go. On one end of the wheel would be a a word like faith. On the other end of the wheel would be scripture verses that you would read that talk about faith. Right? I would turn it to, there would be another topic, grief. There's some verses to read and memorize on grief. There was healing. There was witnessing. There was family. And where I camped out was the fear topic. I would carry this wheel. I would carry this dial with me wherever I went for months and months and months. This tool that my mom put in my hand pointed me to the word of God. This is what a typical boring night looked like in my family then. I would go to my parents' room because they had cable in their room. And I would turn on NBA basketball on TBS. I would turn the sound off. I would play a cassette tape filled with praise songs on it. And I would hold my memory wheel, my memory dial, and I would read scripture and I would memorize verse after verse after verse. That is what I had to do. My parents were present They were present during all this. 
They were helpful. One of the attached memories I have to this was that of my mother. I used to play in a lot of um, basketball leagues in Austin and Round Rock. My mother would typically be my cheerleader. So she would go with me to these games. And it was in the car where she would ask me questions. She would listen to me. She would encourage me with my scripture memory. Throughout all of those dark weeks, when I was locked up, locked up inside of my head with fear. You know, I didn't always tell my parents what I was going through. Now I I wish I would have. But it was during those moments that I still remember my mom's presence, her comforting, her guiding words. She was helping to banish. She was helping to blow up the fear out of my mind by steering me where? Where did she steer me? Into the word of God. Moms, you never know. You may never know, moms, how your presence, your disposition, your body language, your facial expressions, your hugs, your kisses, your laughter, your time, your true selves, how much it impacts your children and grandchildren. Share stories with your kids about God's power. Speak to your grandchildren about God's victory over fear and death. Help your kids keep a sound mind by being rooted deep down in your faith walk with Jesus and help them to do the same. These are just but a few of the necessary biblical principles that can help create an atmosphere within the home that is honoring and pleasing to God. You might say, man, that's a lot. That's a lot. I can't do all that. I'm not equipped. (laughs) You don't know me. I'm not equipped. With all that I have going on, there is no way. And you would be correct, Mom, if it was all up to you. Remember what was said earlier? Neither Lois nor Eunice nor any mom or grandmom in the room today is the superstar of the day. No, it is God's Holy Spirit at work in and through moms and mimas and mimis and nanas and geens and grannies and nanas to strengthen the family. Why? Because the family matters. Let us pray. Lord God, we are so thankful today for the freedom that we have to come and make up your church today corporately. We thank you for the opportunities of worship through prayer, through Bible reading, through fellowship, through the breaking of your word, worship through song. God, it's always incredible and so very meaningful and so very important to gather together as saints on a regular basis, Lord, to grow in our faith walk. God, I lift up our moms and our grandmothers to you today. I pray for their families. God, I pray that they would be anointed by you. God, I pray that their faith walk with you would be a Sunday to Sunday thing every single day. God, help these biblical principles to come to life this week inside of each and every home that's represented here this morning. God, thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for being our audience today. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe today, mother or grandmother, you need to come to the altar right here. Not to talk to me, not to talk to any other person, but to talk to God. 
It is not a sign of weakness to come to the altar. It's a sign of strength. It's a sign of trust. Maybe once again, you need to ask him to give you the strength, the biblical wisdom, the fortitude, the vision for your family. Maybe today, parents, mother, father, you need to kneel at the altar and you need to plead to God on behalf of your wayward and spiritually lost son or daughter. God, please save them. Bring them back to you, God. Maybe that's part of the response time for you. Or maybe today you're a small family. You're a small family. You're desiring to grow your home with children. But the factors and circumstances in life seem like they are against you month after month after month. Perhaps you've grown closer to God in faith during this hard and difficult season. But maybe you have not. And today you need to confess that to God and ask Him to renew your strength, to renew your faith, and trust that His ways, listen, and His timing is perfect. Or perhaps today you know that God is tugging at your heart. He's speaking to you. He's calling you to salvation and belief and trust in Him. God is at work in your life. Step out in faith. Whatever your spiritual decision is today, do business with God. We will have staff members here at the front if you would like to talk to someone. But you do as God is leading you, if that is your desire. And whatever way God is leading you, you respond. Please stand. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705 if you need prayer or if you need to talk with someone. We're here to listen, help, and encourage.